0: She's a business mogul, number one, and wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness
1: journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away podcast.
0: Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Emily Johnson Howe of the Functional Nutritional Health Coach, coaching.com. And we're so happy to have her. Emily, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about fasting. We're going to be talking about hormones. We're going to be talking about gut health, all the things that you love to talk about. So Emily, tell us a little bit about your story and kind of what got you into this field.
1: Yeah. So my story is pretty long, so we'll keep it short. Um, I have adenomyosis, which is a form of endometriosis. And it took a really long time for me to finally get a diagnosis. Um, I spent about three years of my life in chronic pain and was continuously told they don't know what's going on. Part of that pain was also constipation coming from uh, adenomyosis. And and, um, I ended up going through a lot of different experiences with doctors, being told they can't find anything. Finally, when they could, Um, I was diagnosed with adenomyosis. And then uh, the solution was, you know, take hormones or get a hysterectomy. And I was not okay with either of those. So I dove really deep into the research and found that, you know, there's potentially solutions with fasting. Um, I found myself a surgeon who was a bit more um, experienced. And we did a laparoscopy and found that Uh, we were hoping to find endometriosis and remove some of it. So I would relieve some of the pain, but instead I found a burst effect. Um, we fixed that. So my large intestine wasn't attached to my abdominal wall. Um, and I woke up though, and I was still in the same pain. And just before all of that, I had done some insulin resistance testing. So an insulin tolerance test and found that I was insulin resistant. Um, Matched with that information and knowing everything that I knew about fasting, I actually found a clinic. I was living in Switzerland at the time in um, Germany, and I water fasted for fourteen days. And part of the water fasting, uh, they gave me high dose magnesium, and it was the first time in a probably about one and a half years that I didn't have pain, and that just opened up my whole mind to realize how important nutrients are. I was doing all the right things. I was doing, you know everything uh, I could to subside the pain, which is obviously an inflammation response. but also if we're missing nutrients, we have a big problem. So fasting combined with understanding the body a bit more and understanding like the basic things we need was really a big solution. And I've been doing health coaching for five years, but now I've shifted more into the functional, world and functional testing and understanding um, basically what our bodies need to move forward and to be healthy is sometimes we have too much of something or not enough of something. So that's the foundation of functional medicine.
0: Well, let's talk about gut health for just a second. And I'm feeling like I, it's funny. We had a girl that posted a picture and sent it in and she was like maybe 135, 140 pounds. But she showed a picture of her stomach and she's like, after I eat, Mm. she looked like she was pregnant. Like she's like, every time I eat, I get massive, massive bloating. And I'm hearing that from people all over. And one thing, and she does intermittent fasting, and I was thinking kind of what would be some of the reasons? So I'd love for you to kind of talk about that, of why... What are some of the reasons why people are getting so much bloating, so much gas and constipation? Because the truth is fasting does cause constipation. And I know when I did a seven-day water fast, the the one thing, and I will say this, and I don't care, I've done more fasting than 99.9% of the population have tried different things, right? And I will say there's one thing that fasting does not help with, and that is constipation. It can cure you of all these other hosts of things, not constipation. So what what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good perspective. And you're so right. It definitely doesn't cure you from constipation. So what this person that you you're talking about seeing this belly, that was exactly what I was going through. It was a constant distended belly, hard as a rock, super painful. Um, I would call that more than just bloating when you're experiencing those situations. But that tells me a lot about your gut health. And what I mean by gut health is your microbiome. Um, When we fast, we're not doing anything really good for our microbiome in the sense that we're not promoting the good gut microbes. Maybe we're killing off some of the bad ones because we're not feeding them, but we're also not feeding the good ones. Um, another thing coming back to the magnesium concept is when you're fasting for a long time, having still some minerals in us is really important. So electrolytes, part of electrolytes is magnesium. There are many different forms of magnesium. So you have to really do your research and know which one, um, to be taking. So I personally use a company called element. Uh, I like what they offer. There's nothing bad in it, but when I'm fasting, I make sure I take the plain one, not the one that's you know, sweetened with stevia. Um, but fasting definitely doesn't help because you slow down your digestive tract, right? Nothing is moving through. But we also tend to not drink enough water, and magnesium helps pull water into uh, the large intestine um, and I think the small intestine. So, what we really need to be focused on when you're fasting is to remember that when you come back out, you have to feed the good microbes. Um, and what does that mean? feeding the good microbes, how do you fix gut health? Uh, Typically, you hear from like FODMAP diets, which is about elimination or another form of elimination diet, which can be helpful for a short time, but you're still not really fixing the problem, right? You're still in a situation where these bugs are not getting the food that they require. So, Avoiding the food for a little bit maybe makes sense. And depending, maybe if you have SIBO, you might need a more restrictive situation, but actually feeding the microbes things like fermented foods, um, as much root vegetables as possible. So if it's too much for your stomach, then you want to start slow, but you want to get a variety of all these things. There was actually just a study that came out that showed a direct link between fresh fruits and vegetables and gut health. So getting away from all of the canned and processed and frozen things, I'm a big fan of frozen vegetables, but if you can get them fresh, there's definitely going to be more of a benefit for your microbiome.
0: Guys, I just want to interrupt for just a second and I want you to hear Paul Saladino talk about why liver is so important. And if you don't like liver, we have another option for you
1: your ancestors were eating liver. And the reason that this sort of wisdom has been passed down is because liver is very nutritious. It's basically nature's multivitamin. If you look at the nutrients in meat, they're great. You've got zinc, you got B6, you got B12, you got some K2. But if you look at liver, it really complements what's in muscle meat. And there are many unique nutrients found in organs, specifically liver as a powerhouse of these, that are difficult to obtain outside of liver. Like meat and organs are like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. They're supposed to be eaten together. The easiest way to eat liver is just to do it raw. If you don't want to eat liver raw, you can cook it. But the reason that I like to do it raw is because there are unique nutrients in liver that are probably somewhat degraded when you cook the liver. This
0: really is like the most nutrient rich supplements that you can find. And they are amazing. I have tried them. I absolutely love them. So just go to heartandsoil.co, so use the coupon code Chantal Ray and save you some money there. Did you guys know that 97% of Americans are deficient in at least one mineral? It's true. You need more than a dozen minerals for your body to function in its best, but with the standard American diet, it's almost impossible. So here's where bean minerals comes in. Guess what? All you have to do, take one little shot of this one, one little shot of this one, and guess what? It looks like this, but it tastes like water. Take one shot and boom, in 30 seconds a day, you're getting an entire thing of minerals instead of an entire cabinet of supplement bottles. So with Bean Minerals, we make mineral balance simple. So let's talk about SIBO for a second because I'm hearing from my friends that are functional medicine doctors that they've never seen more low stomach acid in people, first of all. And they've never seen more cases of SIBO than ever. Like it's like massive. Everyone that this, they're coming to see it's SIBO, SIBO, SIBO. Are you seeing that as well? And what what are you doing for the low stomach acid?
1: Yes, um, I am seeing that as well. And that makes perfect sense because if we don't have enough stomach acid, we are not digesting our food properly, but we also have let our barriers down. More of the bad microbes can come in, which SIBO is a uh, small intestine bacteria overgrowth. So seeing the link there is really key. Um, when it comes to dealing with low acid, Uh, it really depends. You should really do, I do testing called GI map and I use this one because it shows me whether or not you have H pylori. A lot of people, 50% of the population have H pylori and H pylori effectively reduces stomach acid. And you could give people HCL, uh, hydrochloric acid, but if you're giving it to them and they have H pylori, you will agitate the, the micro H pylori and it will actually burrow deeper into the stomach. So it's a dangerous intervention for people who have H. pylori to get uh, hydrochloric acid, uh, which is often in these digestive enzymes. So you have to be you know, pretty careful that you're not just facilitating uh, an issue even worse. So first step for me would really be testing. Um, I would need to know if somebody has H. pylori or not. And I, if they did, I would eradicate that. And if they didn't, then I would consider a hydrochloric acid supplementation.
0: Okay. So I want you to say that again, because that's, that's a really big deal. So what you're saying is, if you have H. pylori and you're saying 50%, and I've heard that as well from all my other functional medicine doctors, that Fifty percent or more of the patients they're seeing have H pylori. You're saying if you give stomach acid or digestive enzymes, um, and when I say when I say HCL, hopefully the audience now knows um, what that is. But either HCL or digestive enzymes. Uh, well. That's,
1: that's one distinction we can make Is digestive enzymes are okay, but most of the digestive enzymes on the market have HCL in them. So you have to be careful that your product uh, doesn't have the combination until you know whether or not you have H. pylori. And H. pylori by a typical lab, so what you would get from probably your normal doctor, um, they're just giving you a yes or no result. Uh, When you do something with a functional medicine doctor, typically they're using something stronger like a GI map, which is giving us a quantitative number. So we can see, okay, if you're just under that yes or no line for a functional medicine doctor or practitioner, you, you effectively have H. pylori and we need to be careful with that because H. pylori is linked to different stomach cancers. And if we allow H. pylori to get stronger by, again, giving it this uh, hydrochloric acid, HCL, then it can actually have virulence factors, which are linked to cancer. So we really have to be careful. And yeah, it is about 50% of the population. Some doctors are even now coming out to say, maybe it's normal for us. Maybe this is something that we've, over time, we have a synergistic relationship with. Um, it's really unclear, but we do know that HCL with an H. pylori infection is dangerous.
0: So let me tell you something I just learned and I want to make sure that I'm repeating it back. And I can't even believe that. I think I might've known it, but I don't, I'm not sure if I did, I forgot all about it. So we had a gut specialist come on and he said, if you take HCL, you are Working on your stomach. It's breaking down food in your stomach. When you take digestive enzymes, those are breaking down in your small intestines. And so he's saying you actually have to have both HCl and digestive enzymes. And I will tell you, most of the digestive enzymes I've been looking at lately, I used to notice that they both had HCl and they had digestive enzymes. Now, I think what they're doing to try to get you to buy two different products, now they're not putting them combined. They're actually taking HCl in one, they're putting digestive enzymes in another. And then they are, and he's saying you actually need to have both because if you're having, if you look in your, if you look in the bathroom after you go poop and you see undigested particles in your toilet, then you are not digesting your food properly. And that means that you either need HCL or you need digestive enzymes, but probably both. How would you respond to that? I would say that's very true. But again,
1: if you have an H. pylori infection, which about 50% of the population does, then the HCL can be dangerous until you eradicate the H. pylori. I think the company is removing them from being a one product. It's because they're seeing that link. They're seeing that it's really not okay to just you know haphazardly give everyone HCL without knowing if there's H. pylori. There are still some products on the market that have a combination of the two. So when you're working with a, a functional practitioner, you know they'll know whether or not based on your test results, if you should get a combo product or if you should start with the digestive enzymes. And what you've said is exactly right. If you're seeing undigested food, there's a problem. Um, there's a problem in probably more than one place. And the very first thing someone can do is start focusing on chewing their food. A lot of us are, eating- which
0: is what I do not do. Well, <laughs> yeah. at all. It's like I need to hear it 10 times a day, if not 20. Yes. A lot He's of us say, oh, we're on the run. We've
1: got kids to take care of or whatever it is that, you know, you're moving really fast and you're, you're like, okay, I need to shove this food down. But the thing is we, you know, part of the whole process of chewing is digestion. We need to chew something long enough. They'll start getting those juices flowing in our body to actually stimulate um, mm-hmm. digestive enzymes. So you know, we have the capacity to do all of this. If we're very healthy individuals, we actually don't need digestive enzymes, but most of us are living a pretty chaotic life. So, you know, it's helpful, but the very first step I would say for anyone who's experiencing that is, you know, focus on chewing your food for, you know, 20, count to 20 for each one. It's going to be really hard at first. You're going to have to count to like three (laughs) and then the next time four. Um, but yeah, that's a, a really good point that you made that they are separating them out, but I see it more as a positive with the digestive enzymes and the HCL.
0: Yeah. And my favorite brand that I use is um, <clears throat> by Optimizers. And if you guys go to magbreakthrough.com slash Chantel Ray, you'll get Sometimes they even give my listeners 25%. So when she was talking about the magnesium, that one is my absolute favorite because it is the only one that I know that includes naturally derived forms of all seven forms of magnesium. So it's very hard, like you don't want to be sitting there taking all seven different pills. So this is the only one that I know of that has all seven forms of magnesium in there. And um, you can use the coupon code Chantel Ray or Chantel Ray 10 and go to magbreakthrough.com slash Chantel Ray. But they also, the same company has a they have it separate. And what's so funny, I'm so glad you said this because I was going to talk with the owners. I love the owners of this company and I'm actually going to have them back on my podcast. And I was going to say to them, I don't like that you have the HCL and the digestive enzymes in two separate things because that means I have to take two separate pills. And now you're explaining it right now why it really is better for it to be in two separate pills. Absolutely. And
1: yeah, to piggyback on that, uh, BioOptimizers is my favorite magnesium. I've been using them for years and they're the only one that I would go for.
0: That's awesome. So as far as the, the HCL- And how do they find out if they have the different, like H. pylori or not? What part is that test? So there are a lot of different uh, stool tests on the market.
1: I personally use the GI map because, and you can get this through a functional practitioner like myself or a functional medicine doctor, um, is a diagnostic test, meaning that, you know, it's not available for just anyone to go order. Um, but this one is really important because it's telling us, again, a quantitative amount of H. pylori. So if you go to your doctor, they're going to give you a test where typically where you're going to get a positive or a negative And that's it. You don't know how much you don't know if there are virulence factors and virulence factors just means like um, they're a stronger factor of the H. pylori infection. Right. So. Um, How you can get this testing is really work with a functional practitioner. Um, I think it's really important for everyone to know their status. If you're experiencing any kind of digestive issues, then you should get a GI map done. It will tell you more than just the uh, H. pylori status. It'll also tell you if you have any pathogens, if you have any other overgrowth, how your uh, microbiome is looking. So I know there's some people on the market who are not super big fans of doing like gut testing because it is going to change day to day and every time that you do it. But it's going to give you a general picture, especially with um, some of the nasty microbes like H. pylori.
0: Did you guys know that your thyroid's main food is iodine? And guess what? Mercury and other toxins gobble up your selenium. And your thyroid glands need selenium to convert iodine to thyroxine. So if you have mercury fillings and with all the toxins and mold, your selenium just gets gobbled up. So here's the bottom line. I take something called peak thyroid. It's got iodine, it's got copper, and it's got selenium. Everything you need to get your thyroid back to functioning without medicine. So go to ChantelRayWay.com slash formulas Use the coupon code ChantelRay to get a huge discount. I don't know about you guys, but I am stressed. And if you're feeling overwhelmed this holiday season, then I get it. With all the family get-togethers, it is just a relentless source of stress. But anyway, there is something that I've got called Stress Guardian, and it's actually made by Bio Optimizers, the people who make the magnesium breakthrough, which I love, love, love. But anyway, they are literally made this new product. It has 14 adaptogenic herbs and it just regulates your stress. I just actually took some right this second. And it's awesome. If you go to stressguardian.com slash waste away and put in waste away for 10% off your first order. It's stressguardian.com slash waste away. Go there now. So tell me a little bit about, cause I have a couple friends and their, their opinion is, is that, um, you know, like you said, a lot of ways that you can just see, like, give us some examples. If someone has H. pylori, what would it would like, if they looked at their poop, what would it look like? And if they have SIBO, I want you to be as gruesome as possible. Tell us exactly what both poops would look like. Because one of my friends who's a gut doctor, she's like, it's pretty easy to tell. You look at your poop. If you see this, 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 you've got this. If you look at this, you got this, this, and this. Because sometimes some of the tests, I feel like, don't come back with conclusive results. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit on the
1: opposite thinking here that uh, the GI map, is much more conclusive than any of the other tests. And that one is the best. You're right. It is. Yeah. And all the other ones on the market, I would say are kind of a waste of your time and money. Um, The GI map uses DNA. So it's replicating it and it's a bit stronger of a test. Now, in terms of being able to see based on looking at your poop, I don't think it's possible. Um, I am someone who's had gut issues for so many years. And I can tell you that I've you know, ranged from all the different types within like a week. So I don't think that it's super easy to tell if you have it or not, unless you're doing actual testing. What you can tell is if you don't have normal poop, meaning it's not, you know, everybody's seen the graphic of the different, the seven or five different types of poop. Uh, but if yours isn't looking pretty normal, then you got something going on. And if it's, you know, just once, one time that you're having issues, that's different than if it's every day. Um, so I would say if you are having odd symptoms, um, if you're having, you know, bloating, you're having going back and forth between diarrhea and constipation, or just having one, um, and it's a regular thing, then you really need to do some testing or do your food better.
0: <laughs> so, um, As far as the SIBO, what what are some things that you would say, if you see your poop looking like this, there was a good chance it might have SIBO? You know,
1: I've worked with a lot of different people who had SIBO and they all had different symptoms. I had some people who were actually really constipated and I have others who are, you know, on the toilet constantly with diarrhea. Um, Because SIBO isn't, it's actually a downstream effect of something else going on obviously an overgrowth, but usually, you know, maybe you don't have enough stomach acid. So things are getting through. It's a symptom. It's not actually the root cause. So depending on what the root cause is of why you have SIBO will change completely as to what,
0: how it manifests in your poop. And I want to say this, you know, especially for people who fast like me one of my biggest problems is and i'm sure i'm not the only one is that you fast for so long and then you get so hungry you got yourself to the place where then you're so ravenous it's very hard at that point to be chewing your food 30 times because you're just like oh my gosh like this morning which is odd at 11:30 um you know i looked at my assistant and i was like I am about to like, like I'm going to eat someone's arm off. Like I'm about to pass out. Like I need something to eat immediately. Um, But at at that point, I, I, for whatever reason, I guess I just didn't eat very much yesterday. So by today I was like ravenous, ravenous, ravenous. So I think that's another issue of like, I don't, I can't stress that enough of like, how, how would you recommend someone if they're fasting that long to slow down and be able to actually chew their food. Any tips on that? Well, one
1: thing is you can really try to count how much you're chewing. Um, but when you're that ravenous, that actually brings me a bit more to a point of how to optimize how you're fasting. So a lot of times we do pay for it the next day if we didn't eat enough the day before. So paying attention to, you know, making sure you're getting enough food making sure that Maybe one of your last meals has a a decent amount of fat because fat is going to be slower in the digestive system. And over time, you shouldn't really be experiencing too much of the ravenous. This also is um, often linked with insulin resistance, and it can take so many years to repair insulin resistance. So even if you've been fasting for a decade, if you had a decent bout of insulin resistance, it can take a long time to repair this. So We usually pay for, you know, based on our previous choices, what we're going to have issues with on the next one. So like being super ravenous, I would say to a client, then maybe we need to pull back on how long you're fasting, um, optimize the meal that you had before the first one and have more of what I call the oh shit foods around. Meaning something that you know is super, super healthy and it's exactly what you want it to be for that first meal. That's super easy. You don't have to spend the time to cook anything, maybe a nice smoothie that's already prepared for you. Um, And that way, you know, if it's a smoothie, it's already basically chewed for you. So you don't have to worry too much. You can get something in and then have a proper meal like an hour later.
0: Yeah, that's great tip. I think that that is the key is like right before you're going to open up your eating window to have something and not get yourself that ravenous. I want you to talk about intuitive fasting because I feel like there's so many people out there that are like, I only eat from two to seven or 12 to six or whatever it is. And they're Nazi about it. And it's just so rigid and it loses that intuitive eating and what do you do to become an intuitive faster?
1: Yeah, uh, first, I stress this all the time. Perfection is a perfect way to set yourself up for disaster. Um, if we're too rigid with anything, then it's it's not working. It's actually not a good choice for you. Um, part of becoming intuitive for most of us, we have to really work on this. I actually don't. Really recommend too many people to focus too much on their own cues until they've cleaned up their diet because we're often falling into this trap of, uh, you know, sugar highs and sugar rushes of the processed foods that we're eating. Um, But over time, what I tell people is, you know, it's it's great if you can make it till two. But if your body is telling you, hey, I'm really hungry at noon, then you know, break your fast at noon. That's all. That's totally fine. I am a person who I generally aim for a certain amount of time, but I'm also not very prescriptive on it. I work with what's in my life. Um, Also, as a female, I think it's really important to pay very close attention to your cycle. If you're fasting too much towards the end of your cycle, then you can actually, you know, mess up your hormones. And I think Listening to your body and hunger cues is really important, but also to realize that hunger cues or the feeling of being hungry is not the only one that's there. If you're feeling really low on energy, if you're feeling really, you know, like you, you are just having a crash, that is also another way of your body telling you, Hey, I need fuel. It's
0: time to eat. Yeah, so good. Well, I want to tell you guys, make sure you go into my link and go into for the HCL and the Digestive Enzymes by Bioptimizers, get that discount code um, It's Chantel Ray or Chantel Ray 10. I think either one of them will work, but I do agree. If you do have H. pylori, you do need to contact Emily because like she said, you don't want to be taking... HCL, if you have H pylori, that's such a nugget and such a tip. Let's talk a little bit about hormones because if someone is a woman and they're still ovulating um, and they still have their menstrual cycle, again, you can't be a Nazi with your fasting window. You've got to kind of change things. So what are your tips for fasting when you are a you're still menstruating?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, just after the end of your cycle. So, you know, you've stopped bleeding. Then the first two weeks, you can really, you know, focus a bit more on on heavier duty fasting. The second two weeks, I would really cool it down. Um, I don't consider 12 hours fasting. I think that everyone should have a break from dinner to breakfast for at least 12 hours. Um, without that break, we really... Uh, We don't give our body a chance to like reset. Um, But generally, I also say you you have to listen to yourself. If you know that every month you are super, super low on energy on week two, then I would say maybe you need to focus either on the quality of the food or you need to pull back on fasting. Uh, There is so much research on fasting out there, but very little on women. And we are not small men. So I think it's important to remember that we hear a lot on, you know, podcasts, news everywhere, how great fasting is fast all the time, but this is a man's perspective. We are, we are women. We need to honor our cycle. We need to honor that we're completely different women from one week to the next. And we need to, you know, be a bit flexible about that. Part of the feminine energy is flexibility. It is self-love. It is calming down. If we are too much on the masculine energy of rigidness, we have to perform it. You know, we have to fast exactly from this time to this time. Uh, you are going to mess up your hormones
0: more like more than likely. That is funny. I I say that about my husband all the time because he's like, he likes to make a plan and he doesn't like to deviate it. And I always say to him, I'm like, can you be cemented in flexibility? And he's like, no, I cannot. Because he likes it to be, this is the plan. We stick with the plan. We don't change it. Um, yeah. I recently heard a, a comparison that men are like arrows
1: and women are like circles. And it's very true because, you know, men are more like, okay, I've got a plan and I need to stick with this. Um, and women are a bit more, you know, roundabout. Uh, but we're also communicated in, in media that we need to be more like a man. We need to be more arrow focused. And I would like to
0: say, no, we don't. Come back, own your circle. That's so good. Let's talk about habits for a second, because I think that that's one area that you really specialize in that you help people change their health story by changing one habit at a time. So talk a little bit about some of the habits that you say, all right, here's my top five habit hacks that I help people to do.
1: Yeah. Habits are totally key. Look, our habits are the sum of who we are. We're doing most of everything in a day on autopilot, which means their habits When we want to change our life, most people want to go and change everything all at once. And that's super great because, you know, they can do this for five days until suddenly they can't because it's burnout. Um, What I do is I actually pull it back and I say, wait a second. Okay, I'm so happy you want to change your life, but let's do this step by step. One thing at a time, build everything into a habit. So you don't have to spend cognitive energy on it. We only have so much every day. You only have so many decision-making power in a day. So once you've made something a habit, you don't have to think about it so hard. Uh, When I work with someone each week, we bring out maybe one or two new habits for their life. And some of my habit hacks are things like, you know, habit stacking. If you are doing a habit on top of something else you're already doing, you're much faster to build it. Also, it needs to be something you like to do. Um, Some of the habits, maybe it takes a little while before you actually like it, like maybe going into the gym. But if you also tell yourself and remind yourself that you're doing this out of self-love, then you're easier to stick to it. Um, And when I work with a client, the very first thing we do is we bring in six portions of vegetables a day. Uh, this is one of the hardest habits that I've ever had anyone have to build. And it usually takes a couple of weeks for clients to feel good about this. My first question is always, what do I eat for breakfast? How do I have vegetables for breakfast? And, you know, get creative. This is, and this will come back to gut health as well. That's why it's my first hack. This is going to help with hormones because it'll help clean up everything in your gut and help with detoxification.
0: So. um Habit stacking is key. Be slow. I want to say something on that. One thing I was thinking is when I'm on vacation, I feel so much better. And I think one of the things is that I do is I eat I actually end up eating a lot more vegetables because you know, when you go to like a restaurant and you're going out, you know, you try different things. And I'm usually eating a lot of seasonal vegetables. So like whatever's in season of wherever I'm going. And so I think that, you know, we can, as people get into a rut, I know I can, of literally eating the same thing. Like when I'm at home, I eat the same darn thing and I'm not getting all the different nutrients. What's your thoughts on that? Yes.
1: Um, Actually, there's a really great book called... um Eat well, live well, I think. And you don't have to get the book, but she has a really great game. You take a monthly calendar or a weekly calendar, and you want to aim for as many points as possible. And you give yourself a point for a different colored vegetable or a different type of, you know, if I have a green carrot or a yellow carrot versus a red carrot, they're two different points, right? And in the week, you want to get as many points as you can. I think she aims for over 40. And I like this game a lot because exactly, we get into these ruts and you can play this game with your children. You can say, all right, we're going to make sure we're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to pick out as many different colors as we can. And then throughout the week, you have maybe a a calendar on your refrigerator and you give yourself points for each new thing. So in one week, you can't give yourself the same point. You know, if I eat red carrots uh, or orange carrots on Monday and I eat them on Wednesday, I only get one point. For that week because it has to be diversity um and i think also there are more and more pop-ups coming around i live in miami beach i've just recently seen a company called roots where they deliver
0: seasonal vegetable from vegetables from local farmers so finding i'm gonna have to visit you because i'm coming to miami in a couple of weeks i want to meet you let's go to lunch let's do it yeah. Um, yeah, but finding these, these local deliveries
1: are going to your local farm or because they're going to have seasonal food and you won't, you know, two months later, they're not going to have the same stuff. So it's a good way to, you know,
0: find adventure and find some diversity into your diet. I love it. Well, I agree. I think you guys should get with Emily and get these gut tests done. See what's going on. And I agree 100% the test that you're talking about, that GI map, I wouldn't take any other. Like if someone said, you need to take this one or you need to take that one, I'd say, absolutely not. That's the only one that is good. Um, And so tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you.
1: Yes. So on Instagram, I'm Functional Nutrition Health Coach. Uh, Same thing for Facebook. And then you can reach out to me via email info at
0: functionalnutritionhousecoaching.com. Awesome. Well, you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.